1: From the Financial Times in London, I'm Esther Bintliff, deputy editor of The Weekend magazine, and this is FT Investigations. Afghanistan has made great strides in recent years in areas of women's employment and education, in spite of the insecurity and violence that continue to dominate the headlines. The military historian, Professor Hugh Strawn visited the country in August, 45 years after his first visit to Kabul, to see a country in transition. The freelance radio producer Katrina Oliphant accompanied him and produced this feature on Afghan women who are blazing a trail. You can read Professor Strawn's report in this weekend's FT magazine or online at ft.com forward slash magazine.
2: It's very important to get the message out because at the moment, unfortunately, the image that we have from Afghanistan abroad is all the time about the war and about the guns and about all these dry places that you see on TV. There are a lot of positive things happening in Afghanistan as well. Art is one of them.
3: Mariam Omar, sales and design manager at Turquoise Mountain, an NGO based in the old city of Kabul. It's August 2016. 18 months since NATO combat troops left Afghanistan. It's been a difficult time for the country. Afghan security forces remain under pressure as the Taliban exploits the vacuum left by the withdrawal. Outbreaks of violence are frequent and headline news around the world. But what about the rest of the picture? What is it like for people trying to get on with their everyday lives, for Afghan women in this state in transition? Deprived of education and earning power under the Taliban, they have had to work hard to catch up, to be eligible for the opportunities that democracy can offer. Nine o'clock in the morning in Kabul's old city. Already it's hot and dusty. Leaving the busy street behind me, I enter a small courtyard surrounded by elegant wooden buildings. There are calligraphy frescoes on the walls, and a garden of roses and trees in the centre. It's cool and peaceful. I'm in the offices of Turquoise Mountain, founded ten years ago by MP and Junior Minister Rory Stewart at the request of Hamid Karzai, then President of Afghanistan, and the Prince of Wales. The organisation restores historic buildings in the area and trains young Afghans, men and women, in traditional artisan skills, calligraphy, miniature painting, woodwork ceramics and gem cutting. Under the Taliban, many artisans had to flee the country or stop practising their craft. But now, at Turquoise Mountain, the next generation can learn those skills, women alongside men. I dropped into one of the classes to speak to the students.
4: I'm working on a piece of illustration art. First of all, uh, we write it by pencil and a paper. And then we trace it, and then copy it to handmade paper, and um, we color it.
3: Turquoise Mountain also provides work premises for graduates who have set up their own business and meet the organisation's quality standards. Working in Kabul can be difficult for Afghan women. Mariam Omar.
2: Uh, we at Turquoise Mountain try our best to make safe and pleasant environment for the female businesses. We are working with female businesses in this double column sarai that you see. We have two businesses that are actually uh, run by women.
3: Like so many of the Afghans I met, Maryam has her own tale of exile and return. Born in Kabul, she was 11 when civil war broke out and her family left for Pakistan. She then studied design at the London College of Fashion before returning to Kabul a couple of years ago to work for Turquoise Mountain. Wherever you go in Kabul, the pulsing thrum of helicopters punctuates the air. Heavy traffic on the city's roads, especially during rush hour, makes journeys slow and a security risk. NATO therefore uses Blackhawks and Pumas to ferry personnel between its various bases of operation, including Karga, home to the Afghan National Army Officers' Academy, known as Sandhurst in the Sand. The UK has a mentoring role here as part of Resolute Support, NATO's mission to train, advise and assist the Afghan security forces and institutions. Kargil lies some ten miles northwest of Kabul. Lushly forested with almond trees until the Taliban chopped them down, It was a natural resting place for armies. Alexander the Great, the Mughal leader Babur with his elephants and Genghis Khan all passed through here. For the Afghans, Karga has a particular resonance. An artillery and logistics depot during the Soviet era, it became the headquarters of the charismatic Ahmad Shah Massoud, leader of the Northern Alliance. The academy has around 1,100 cadets with 90 places reserved for women. Female cadet numbers are rising, with applications now coming in from across Afghanistan rather than just Kabul. Brigadier Ian Rigdon, chief mentor at the Academy, is confident that it will not be long before they reach capacity. Major Sarah Hutchinson runs the mentoring team for the female cadets.
1: I have an incredible amount of respect for these girls who, despite the difficulties that they face, are willing to step outside the norm and join the ANA to try and increase the profile of women in Afghanistan. Because of the culture in Afghanistan at the moment, it would be very rare for one of the female officer cadets to come to the academy if they hadn't been given permission by the head of the family. When they come down and each of them are interviewed and they pass the selection, the concept of the academy, the training and what the girls will do while they're here is explained to them and their family members so that they understand it. And then, when the girls come to start training, General Sharifi, who's the commander of the academy, makes a guarantee to the family that the females will be looked after, their honour and their integrity will be kept intact while they're going through training at the academy. So it's quite a big guarantee that he makes for cultural purposes.
3: With the help of Brigadier Rigdon's interpreter, I asked a couple of the female cadets why they joined the Afghan army and how their families reacted. The
0: reason that I joined the Afghan National Army is that I like it. My family, they encourage me a lot to join the Afghan National Army. And an important reason also is to open the way for the
3: Afghan women so they can also join the Afghan National Army.
0: My family really
3: support me. They really encourage me to become a pilot. The cadet's drive and ambition is impressive. Most of the women in the Afghan Army,
0: when they graduate from an organisation, they select human resources. I just want to bring a change, and I just want to prove to the people that women can also work as hard as men do. If the women train properly and make themselves good officers, they will play a very important role in the future of the Afghan Army.
3: Women serving in the Afghan Army is a relatively recent development. This means job opportunities for female cadets on graduation are limited. There are openings in the Ministry of Defence and Intelligence, as well as in search operations, where female personnel are needed for cultural reasons. But, as yet, there is no established career path for women graduates. This is one of the things Major Hutchinson has been working on with Brigadier Rigdon, and she is optimistic.
1: The progression of females is moving very quickly. I think they've achieved a lot in a very short amount of time. I think that as long as there are females coming forward to volunteer, to join the Afghan security forces across the police, the air force and the army, I think that the attitudes of people will change, that females will actually be able to prove themselves credible and capable alongside their male counterparts.
3: Back in Kabul, I meet the youngest member of the Afghan parliament, Nahid Farid, who represents Herat province. In addition to her parliamentary duties, she is a lecturer at the American University of Kabul and a regular speaker at conferences and in television debates. When not in Herat, she keeps in touch with her constituents via her Facebook page that has over 350,000 likes. Her story is a good example of how Afghan women are changing traditional attitudes. When Nahid was running for election, the local mullah was one of the other candidates. He came to my
0: father-in-law, who was supporting my campaign financially, and he said, you know, if you want to send your daughter-in-law to the parliament, I have an advice for you. When women go there, they will be a face of disgrace, and you will lose all the years of reputation that you collected in the city. Instead of that, just stop the campaign. Now many in the society know your daughter-in-law. She can do something else, but do not continue her campaign financially and close it down. But my father-in-law, because he knew me and he believed in me, said that, no, I want to stop the campaign. I believe my daughter-in-law will be a different member
3: of Parliament. She will bring honour and respect to the family. Nahid was elected but she emphasises that it was a team effort.
0: If I didn't have my father, my father-in-law, my husband, my side, I wouldn't sit here, I wouldn't be a member of parliament. So if we
3: want to succeed at the end of the day, we have to have men on board. The Taliban regime was particularly tough for women and has left them vulnerable. Those six years were the toughest years of my life because, like millions of girls of this
0: country, we had no access to even basic rights. Going outside, walking, studying, going to school, education, even in many times access to health. Although we have men and women as citizens of this country, the most victimized part of this country are women. Many of these women have and had no access to education. So when they had no education, they cannot work outside. They cannot be a teacher or they cannot be just a worker or social worker outside of the house or getting some salary for that. This lack of uh, having access to economy or access to money brought women to the situation that they face a lot of violence, domestic violence at home.
3: But change has to be a gradual process.
0: When we have men and women on board, the agenda will be quite different. And then we will have the acceptance of the society, especially the conservative areas. Forget about just few cities like Herat, Kabul, Mazar, or some parts of um, Nangarhar or Kandahar as well. Other parts of this country are very resistant to change. And we have to be very careful if we want to alter the culture in some parts.
3: I leave Nahid to her busy schedule. She has given me much to think about. Her province, Herat, has one of the highest rates of female suicide and self-immolation in Afghanistan. An organisation doing valuable work with victims of domestic violence in Herat and across the country is Women for Afghan Women. It provides shelters for women at risk and works with them and the local communities. Typically, cases involve a forced engagement – or forced or underage marriage. Some go to court, but around 60% settle through mediation. I met country director Nadia Nassim, who explained how mediation works.
2: When the mediation is done and the both parties, uh, they all agree that the woman wants to return back to the family. Then we have the procedures that there should be like a guarantee letter and the other people who are going to guarantee that nothing is going to happen with the woman. Then, after she's returned to the family, a minimum one month and maximum a year, we have a follow-up with the client to make sure that the woman is safe there, she doesn't have any problem, and so our caseworker they go to her house and they sit with her or have a cup of tea and talk to her to make sure that things are going well for her.
3: It's difficult work in the current fragile security environment. The
2: more challenges we face, the more stronger we become. If we stop these services, then who is going to do? And even if there is risk, we want to continue this work and we we want to bring changes in other women's life.
3: As country director, Nadja is responsible for 700 staff and is determined to lead by example. Privately, she acknowledges how stressful everyday life can be.
2: Even as an ordinary Afghan, if, if I talk about the future, I would say that it's scary. We have experienced and we have seen a number of incidents and a severe type of incidents that the target have been the civilians. So that's going to scare people because when we come out of the home in the morning, we don't know whether we, will, we go back safe back home.
3: But despite the high threat environment, social change is slowly taking place. I have come to the Sapidar Palace to meet Sajia Begum, advisor on women's and youth affairs, to the chief executive officer, Dr. Abdullah Abdullah.
4: Though these things are so difficult to measure because in Afghanistan we don't have statistics and the real statistics and we don't have real information, but we can see the change in the life of women. During Taliban, I was fourteen. 15 years old. And I had lots of problems. And I was traveling to different provinces to at least finish my education. But now, at least center of the cities don't have this problem. The girls can go to school, and they can go to universities, and they can study, and they can work. And now women are in decision-making positions. And these are the changes that I can feel and I can see after the fall of Taliban.
3: Sadia wants to get more women into decision-making positions. She believes this is crucial to progress. One of her proudest achievements has been helping increase the number of women judges in the courts in Kabul and the provinces. Like MP Nahid Farid, she stresses that it has to be a collective effort.
4: Afghan women themselves are committed to change their life but they cannot do it alone because it's a kind of a system or society that mostly men are in the leading positions.
3: Afghanistan also needs outside help as social change takes time. Nadia Nassim, country director for Women for Afghan Women again.
2: It still needs the the support of the international community because people of Afghanistan, we as an Afghan citizen, the women and also men, we are ready to change our country. to to go to the positive. We also take risks and we want to bring change. It takes time, but definitely at the end things
3: will be changed. It also means redressing the distorted image that many people currently have of Afghanistan.
2: In the media, always it's the bad news or the fighting. We need to work to spread the good news, the achievements, the changes that have come so far in Afghanistan, in the woman's life, in a number of people's lives.
3: I'm coming to the end of my visit. It is hard to remain impervious to the optimism of these women. Each was candid about the challenging security environment, but relinquishing hope was not an option. At the same time, they know that continuing progress depends on everybody being willing to work together. This includes the international community, for whose help to date the Afghans I met were profoundly grateful. Afghanistan is a country in transition, where the old way of life rubs alongside the new. This is exemplified in Kabul, where pushcarts compete with heavy traffic, where images of glamorous Western-style women gaze down on women in blue burqas, where the brilliant neon lighting of Las Vegas-style wedding halls illuminates the faces of armed security guards. I'll leave the last word to MP Nahid Farid. Afghanistan
0: is experiencing a very young democracy. It has ups and downs, but we will have democracy in Afghanistan. Now we have voices, we have faces, we have people in different tribes, different provinces. They are the face of new Afghanistan and they don't let Afghanistan to fall back to 80s and 90s. As for the Taliban and ISIS, I call them distractions only. They are not even barriers. They distract, but we have our long-term goals, and the people of Afghanistan will own this country, the same as our grandfathers and mothers owned.